Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Capital Adulting Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Gardner, and it's a pleasure to be back with you. And I know what you're thinking, you know, Grant, where have you been for the last couple months? We were on a good weekly routine there um, with new episodes, and then you kind of dropped off the face of the earth a little bit. Well, you know, to be honest, this was kind of the... I've been on the road a fair bit the last couple months. This is really my, my first time traveling a fair bit back to see family since COVID started. So while I was on the road, you know, it just wasn't too feasible to bring along my equipment and record episodes. But now that I'm back in town for the most part, I'm going to, you know, looking to, you know, kind of get back on a normal schedule. And also... Towards the end of the the last episode that I published, I mentioned that they had something kind of exciting in the works. So what that was is I was studying to in preparation of taking the Series 65 exam, which is kind of the the introductory exam if you wanted to get into like the you know financial advising or, or broker space. Not necessarily a leap that I'm looking to take. It was more just for kind of continuing education, just to you know, honestly, just to, to kind of research something new. So I'm happy to say that that was towards kind of late May, early June that I was able to pass that. And then I've been on, I was on the road for about a month after that. So anyway, with all that being said, I'm now back looking to get back into my weekly routine here. So we'll get kind of the normal cadence going and, you know, excited to continue building on, on our, on our progress today. So along with that, you know, there's been quite a few, you know, shifts in just the macroeconomic picture um, over the last, you know, few months. So certainly open to if y'all have any particular suggestions, topics you'd like me to cover, definitely, you know, reach out to me. You can email me, post, you know, comment on on Instagram. However you'd like to reach out, definitely do it. Happy to talk through anything that that's that's on your mind. So with that being said, Really wanted to zero in on a topic that has you know come to the forefront over the last I'd say about four months or so, probably dating back to around you know March April ish, is when we started seeing all this inflation talk you know hit the hit the airwaves right. It became the new dominant thing. We saw I think it was March's CPI numbers increased April, and there's kind of been you know a pretty significant uh, jump over you know year over year. So. Um, well, I guess I should explain CPI, Consumer Price Index. Essentially, they take a they kind of track prices of specific consumer goods, right? So you might just look at everyday purchases you make, groceries, things like that, to compare. Okay, what are the prices today versus the prices last year? And so we're seeing, you know, jumps of you know five six percent is about double what the Federal Reserve aims for, um, a little bit more than that um, each year. So we'll get we'll get into a little bit of that. But I wanted to go ahead and cover it because I know I've gotten a lot of questions and I know people are kind of nervous about how inflation will affect their lives and their investments. So figured it'd be a good idea, good topic to run through. So to get us started, let's talk about what inflation actually is. Again, it's kind of a it's a buzzword right now. It's out there. Everyone's you know talking about it. They're looking at trying to figure out what are the indicators to track. So for for those who are unfamiliar, it's good to start with just the basic definition of what inflation is. And that's that prices in general are increasing and therefore your purchasing power decreases, right? So this is, let's say for instance, you know, you used to buy, let's say a carton of eggs was, you know, two bucks at the grocery store. And now you, you go in and it's, you know, two fifteen, right? doesn't seem that painful, right? But that's that's a seven and a half percent increase in prices. Right. So therefore, you know, your same two dollars used to get you, say, a dozen eggs. 
Now it gets you, I guess, what, 11 eggs, right? 10 and a half eggs, however that math breaks down. But your $2 no longer gets you as far as it used to, which is what it means when your purchasing power decreases, right? So inflation is naturally the opposite of deflation, which we don't really hear too much about deflation, but that's where we see prices decrease and... Uh, your purchasing power increases. And while that sounds like a good thing, usually what that is indicative of is some sort of economic recession where it's, you know, there's just not, people don't have extra money lying around to go buy things, right? So then, you know, people have to lower prices to get people to buy stuff. So inflation in general, a little bit of inflation is a good thing, right? Typically that means, you know, wages are increasing, um, kind of, you know, quality of life should be increasing kind of, you know, incrementally with it. Um, and, you know, overall, it's a sign of a, it's a sign of a healthy economy when you do have a little bit of inflation, right? So let's get into a little bit, a little bit of an economics lesson here. I won't go, we don't need to go too deep into it. And, you know, if you're having flashbacks to your high school econ class and we got, you know, you know graphs are going, you know, supply demand curves are getting thrown up on on the whiteboard you know we don't we don't have to go necessarily that deep into it but i want to talk about yeah the the factors that go into what's what drives inflation forward right and there's definitely a few different things i think what we're seeing right now is very much a supply and demand um, driven inflation right so supply and demand is essentially saying you know let's say there are 10 cars available right and 10 people want to buy it for $20,000 each, and there's 10 sellers that are willing to sell at $20,000 each, right? So that's kind of supply and demand. We got 10 people willing to pay $20,000, 10 people willing to sell at $20,000. So where supply and demand comes in is, you know, you could have, you know, if more people, let's say there's more people that want to buy at $20,000, right? So there's more demand, essentially. That can drive prices up. Or, you know, if there are fewer sellers, so let's say only five people want to sell at 20000 now, you know, that can drive prices up. And then even still, the, just the sheer quantity of products available, that's really more so where the supply side comes in is, let's say instead of those 10 cars available at 20000 we now only have five, right? So you've got 10 buyers competing to purchase five vehicles, whereas there used to be one for every buyer. And there wasn't there wasn't a supply issue, so I use cars because that is really what we're seeing. I mean, that's the hottest sector right now. I'm I'm probably going to screw the numbers up, but if I remember right, I thought I saw something about the average used car price is up like 27 percent from this time last year, which is massive, massive changes. Right? I actually just had uh, a friend of mine bought a used car a few years ago, drove it, you know, put 20, 25,000 miles on it and just sold it back to the dealership for more than he originally paid for it. So, I mean, it's pretty, that sector in, you know, specifically is, is going nuts because of a supply side issue where again, don't need to go too deep into it, but there are, they don't, you know, microchip shortages across the world. They can't produce as many cars. I think Hyundai said they were projecting the build half a million less cars than they had originally anticipated for this year. So with less cars in the market, there are still, you know, there are quite a few people and really there are probably more people who have, you know, more typically more, they have more money than they usually would. 
and they're looking to purchase cars. So demand is up and supply is down, which is what pushes prices so much higher, right? And sometimes with supply and demand, there's quick remedies. Like think about, think back to last year with toilet paper, right? You got to end of March, early April, 2020. Toilet paper was in really limited supply. So you had people going crazy, prices going up. And then, you know, the makers, you have you know, Charmin or whoever, uh, Costco all ramping up their toilet paper production. And they're able to, within a couple months, balance it out, right? And demand kind of dro- you know, dropped off a little bit there. But you can see, like, it was kind of the flip of a switch for them where they're like, oh, we can produce, say, a million rolls a day. And now we can produce 1.5 million. So the interesting thing right now is we're seeing a lot of pain in industries that have longer lead times where they can't they can't increase their supply overnight like with building you know building those chips it usually takes two years and you know millions of dollars to build a new factory to get that up and running so that again don't need to go super super deep into the economics of it but that's where supply and demand is gonna really kind of drive inflation at least in our current our current situation Along with that, so we have supply and demand factoring into the inflation side of things, and then we have fiscal and monetary policy. Again, a little econ here. So fiscal policy refers to U.S. government spending and just kind of general government policy. Monetary policy is what the Federal Reserve is doing, right? So don't conflate the two. The Federal Reserve is meant to be an independent central bank. Um, So that's why... <clears throat> they have different tools, different opportunities, different things they can do. So that's why, you know, there is that, that, that breakout between fiscal and monetary policy. But fiscal policy can be, you know, we want to, you know, we're going to give stimulus checks to people, right? We're trying to put money in people's pockets. We're trying to, you know, drive them to go buy more stuff. That's the point of stimulus is that you take that money, you go spend it, and that's going to a business. You're buying some kind of products. You're buying something that is then like circulating that money back into the economy because then that business pays its employees. Those employees go spend it elsewhere, right? And it just starts this, you know, this cycle, this you know, kind of a you know, ripple effect there. Um, on the monetary side, that's where you have, you know, like the Federal Reserve is going and, you know, maybe they're, they're backing certain assets. They are, um, you know, really one thing, a couple of their biggest tools are, you know, keeping interest rates low. So if it's cheaper to borrow, there's more generally more money available for businesses to expand and whatnot. Um, and then they can also increase the money supply, which have to be careful about how you kind of look at that, right? It's not a sustainable policy for a central bank to just print more money. So that's not not what, you know, it's a little bit interesting right now, right? Because there is a lot of money being circulated, but it's not like the Federal Reserve prints more money and just hands it out. Um, kind of what they do, in effect, to increase money supply is they go out and they, you know, purchase U.S. government bonds, right? Or just other assets where they're like, all right, we're going to take on these bonds or we're going to buy, you know, depend stocks on in certain companies, right? And we're essentially going to hold these kind of, you know, those assets and you take this cash and go, you know, put it into the economy, right? So that's where we've seen a lot of activity. Uh, I don't know the exact figures off the top of my head in terms of on the fiscal side, we're probably up to, I want to say what, six, five or six trillion dollars of government spending since COVID started. And on top of that, the Federal Reserve has put in, has between backing assets and purchasing them, 
Um, it's probably put in about another seven to 10 trillion. So, I mean, these are absolutely absurd numbers. So that's another part of what can push inflation up a bit, right? It's just sim simply put, if there are more U.S. dollars in circulation, it's not necessarily indicative of the U.S. government increasing in value, right? It's kind of just printing money, right? And so then the value of those dollars, in theory, will go down. So it's it's interesting right now because it's it's kind of it's up in the air, right? We hear the Federal Reserve talks about inflation being transitory, which means you know, as the economy's heating up, you know, we're, we're recovering, we're rebounding that, yeah, we expect inflation to, you know, temporarily go above our targets, but we don't see, you know, we don't see it spiraling out of control where it's just going to be runaway inflation in the long run, right? That's what the Federal Reserve is currently saying. They're looking at potentially, okay, maybe we need to increase interest rates to kind of dampen down, um, you know, economic activity and inflation, but, they think it they think it's transitory and there's others that say no this is because of you know how much the money supply has increased how much government spending there's been um that this is going to be more permanent so i think we're just you know it's not something i can necessarily speak to with a ton of a ton of background knowledge but i think it's something just keep your eye on and that's why i wanted to kind of talk through not only what inflation is but getting into the dangers of it right so we you know, getting into that front, I think one of the biggest items, and this just comes into kind of how you should think about money in general, right? And this is this this notion of the time value of money. So this is kind of a like an investment, more of a finance concept. It's not your goal isn't yeah, it's not just to beat inflation essentially. It kind of gets into opportunity cost. I'll explain that in a second. But really the premise of the t a time value of money is that a dollar today is worth more than a dollar in the future, right? So, you know, you have your $10 today will get you more than $10 a year from now, which will get you more than five years from now, which gets you more than 10 years from now, right? So as time goes on, you know, the value of the US dollar or just currencies in general will will kind of dissipate, right? So the the two things that kind of come in there, like I said, you know, mainly we're focused on inflation here, but time value of money also looks at opportunity cost. And that is where opportunity cost is where you make a decision and your opportunity cost is the outcome of the alternative that you didn't choose. So let's say let's say you and you you got a hundred dollars and you invest it in, you, you're trying to choose between, okay, do I want to put my money in, you know, Apple or Google, right? So maybe you put it in Apple, and a year from now, you know, it's $10, or it, go, it goes up $10. So your $100 is now, you know, $110, right? But if you'd put it into to Google, maybe it would have gone up $12, right? So now, you know, your original $100 becomes 112 well, if you had chosen Apple, your opportunity cost would be you know two dollars, right? Because you now have 110 versus you would have had 112, and vice versa, right? So it's kind of what are your top two options, and your opportunity cost becomes the outcome of the of option number two, the one you didn't choose. So 
that's what time value money looks at is, you know, kind of investment returns. Um, but it also is just, again, the goal of me bringing it up is I want you to think about the value of money today versus in the future, right? Regardless, inf- inflation and investments. I have this conversation, I had it a lot in the spring with folks talking about tax refunds, right? And <laughs> I kind of get on a soapbox on this one, so I'll try to keep it short here. But tax refunds drive me nuts, right? Because what what is a tax refund? I think a lot of people have this psychological misconception that a refund is the government giving you a bonus check, right? Of it saying, oh yeah, like great job, responsible taxpayer, here's your money back, or like here's money. And that's that's not at all what it is. A tax refund is exactly that. It's a refund. It's the government saying, hey, you overpaid us, so we're going to give that money back. But think about this, for instance, right? So your you know, tax year starts January 1. Let's say you get your first paycheck on January 15th, and you withhold, you know, who, who knows, right? You, you're, you start doing tax withholdings on, on every paycheck. So January 15th of 2021, you're withholding, you know, money gets withheld, right? And you get all the way around to next spring. So, you know, March, April, 2022, you're filing your taxes and the, the government comes back and they say, great, you're getting, you're getting a $2,000 tax refund, right? Well, the issue with that is that's money that you gave the government on January 15th of 2021 that they're returning to you in April of 2022 at face value. So if you gave them you gave them that $2000 in January and you know I recognize that that 2000 is spread out across the entire year, right? It's not just that first paycheck, but just humor me with that example. So say you gave the government $2000 on January 15, 2021. They refund it to you on April, you know, April 1st, 2022. What are they going to give you? They're going to give you $2000 back. Well, what what's more valuable, two thousand dollars in January of twenty one, or two thousand in April twenty two? I mean, it's it's clear, right? It's obvious that you want the money in January of twenty one because that gives you, you know, the opportunity to you at least have the cash available, right? So if you have a medical crisis or something like that, you have cash available, or you can go and invest it. Right? And people say, well, well, yeah, if you invest it, you can lose it, right? Yes, you can also you can also see gains on it, right? And it's about everything I preach here, you know, on the Capital Thing platform is about the long game too. So you don't really care if that two thousand dollars is eighteen hundred on, you know, on, on April first of twenty two, if you're in the right things, right? Because you know it's going to in the long run, it's going to pan out. So that is kind of opportunity cost, time value, money, and end result is you want money today as opposed to in the future. So. Yeah, danger number one of inflation is just it'll expedite, you know, the it'll just diminish the the value of your money faster in the future. Item number two is the loss of purchasing power. So we talked about this and I have to say I've become acutely aware of inflation just in my my regular trips to Costco, right? So I yeah, you go in the Costco, you always get sucked into buying, you know, a bunch of things in bulk you didn't need, like you know, you never know you needed six bottles of barbecue sauce until you're walking down the aisle and go, huh, yeah, maybe I'll have barbecue chicken tonight, right? So anyways, I'm usually pretty disciplined there. Um, maybe I'll buy the same, you know, 10, 12, 15 items, right? And generally, I've gotten used to 
you know, a bill, you know, usually my Costco tab comes out to like 140, 150 bucks, right? Something like that. So, you know, as things started, inflation started picking up in March and April, I was going to Costco and I just started noticing small things, right? Like, oh, that, you know, that tub of grapes that used to be $6 is now seven, right? The bag of oranges is now six bucks instead of five, right? And we're just seeing like, and not necessarily as noticeable, you know, those are pretty big jumps. Let's say, you know, I mentioned the eggs example at the beginning. Let's say it was, you know, it was six bucks for 24 eggs and now it's, you know, 625 or something. It's those same 10, 12, 15 items I was getting at Costco for 150 are now running me, you know, 165, $175, right? So that is where I'm getting, in that instance, I'm getting the same amount, the same number of goods that I typically would get, but it's costing me more. And that just goes back to, you know, it's it's a loss. You're, the dollars you have now aren't going to go as far as they used to. So you can take that Costco trip and extrapolate that out across the country, right? Because some of the, you know, you might say, well, hey, you know, okay, that's groceries. That's one thing that's really not going to affect me, right? Like, where else is that going to hit me? Well, I mean, you look at, you know, gas prices go up, car prices go up. Let's say, you know, we see kind of in the labor market where companies are really struggling to hire people. So what are they doing? They have to pay more. They have to offer more benefits to get employees, right? Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I, I'm, I love that my local restaurant is now, you know, offering 14 bucks an hour instead of 11, right? Something like that. Well, okay. So think about that from a business perspective, right? So now you're paying more for your employees and for benefits and for just running your business, right? Because as everything goes up, your costs are increasing. So what's your only option as a business? You have to increase your own prices to counteract it. So now if you're paying, you know, waiters and waitresses, you're getting, you know, 14 hour instead of 11. Um, well, maybe that, you know, $10 meal is now 12, right? Or, you know, who knows? Maybe those that drink went from seven bucks to nine bucks, right? So those costs are getting passed down to the to you, the end customer, in a variety of different ways and it can be obvious it could be a little bit more hidden but that is just think about as inflation increases really the cost of almost everything across the board is going to go up for you so it's it's a much more significant risk than oh yeah those eggs cost me 20 cents more now no big deal right so something to keep an eye on and just be aware right and and all we can hope is, you know, that this inflation really is transitory. It's not, it's not going to become more of a, 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 a sustained issue. But the the last remaining kind of risk or danger uh, that I wanted to mention is just overall risk to investments, right? And this kind of ties in a little bit to time value money, not as much. Um, it's a little bit more granular. So when I say risk to investments. Going back to time value money, right? We're saying a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. So in that case, if inflation's going up and the dollar's losing value, what investments are most likely at risk, right? Well, it starts with bonds, which if you're not familiar with bonds, it's essentially, you know, you give a business or the government money today, they're going to pay you interest over time. 
and then after a certain amount of you know a certain period of time they're going to pay you back your original money so let's say you know you buy a bond for a thousand dollars they're going to give you i don't know let's say 10 bucks 10 bucks a quarter or maybe 25 bucks you know every six months for the next 10 years and then they'll give you your thousand dollars back after 10 years well those are fixed fixed amounts fixed contracts right so you know you're going to get that $25 every six months, assuming you know the government or the business hasn't defaulted. Um, but that $25 doesn't change, right? So it's like $25 today, again, is more valuable than $25 in six months versus 12 months, right? You, you get the idea. And then the biggest pain point there is you gave them $1,000 today. Well, 10 years from now, they're just going to give you your $1,000 back. And that's not going to be anywhere near is valuable or it's not going to get you as far as your original thousand dollars did right so there's a lot of risk kind of in the bond side of things because of that so if inflation keeps going up you're going to see bond prices drop because people are going to shift their assets and just the value of those bonds decreases um with that you know so notice like kind of the theme there is is future cash flows right money that i would be getting in the future is losing value today right that's where you see a lot of companies that are you know kind of smaller you know growth companies where you'll see their stocks also take hits right because growth companies are essentially saying hey we're not making money today we're probably going to need more money but you know if all goes well three to five years from now or whatever time frame like we're going to be profitable and we're going to see this massive growth and be wildly successful, right? So it's again a promise of a future, you know, of future money, future growth um, for today's money. So again, investors will typically shy away from those kind of things because it's more valuable to have that money today than it is to, you know, invest in that particular space and just the value of those future cash flows will go down. So don't have to go too deep kind of going back through some you know corporate finance series 65 type stuff um happy to dive further into it but i'll just keep it at a high level there um so you know like i said bonds growth companies who are, are going to see some hits usually you hear people talk about like how do you hedge against inflation which is I mean how do you protect your portfolio against it and you know there are some ways i don't think there's there's not there's not a magical solution right there's just it's one of those those uh systematic risks there that you can't really you can't, you can't really combat too well but what a lot of people do is you know they look to they buy gold or the cryptocurrency has been introduced as another hedge maybe they're buying real estate right people essentially look to shift from stocks and bonds into hard assets so i mean it's it's something worth you know if you have the assets and you're super worried about it definitely consult your financial advisor on it but it is in a period of sustained inflation it's worth reevaluating your your investment positions to make sure you know you're not you're not a um, excessive inflation risk there well i think that segues nicely into the last kind of the last few items I want to t talk through, which is just how do you combat inflation as an individual, right? How do you as a person protect yourself, protect the value of your money um, against, you know, the big bad inflation <laughs> risk here? So, like I said, honestly, there's, no, there's only a limited set of things that you can do to, to battle it. So, it's not, 
There is not a magical fix. You can't just pour all your money into gold and it's, you know, and you're saved. Or if you, yeah, heck, even if you sit on cash, you know, realistically, that's going to lose value too. So there's not, again, not an end all uh, kind of be all solution there. But I would say number one item is, is really get good at controlling your spending, right? If you're purchasing, you know, you can't, your purchasing power decreases, right? So you're not getting as much as you used to for your money. Well, one good way of combating that then is to just simply not spend as much. And um, I read an article about <laughs> one slightly devious tactic that companies are using right now to kind of hide inflation is that they're not changing their prices. They're changing their packaging sizes. So that's one thing to to definitely be cognizant of. So next time you go to the grocery store, look at the... Look at the sizing. So if you used to say, you know, say you bought a, a pounded shredded cheese for, I don't know, four bucks or whatever it would go for, um, you know, you might look and you might see, oh, okay, there's that same same brand, same bag of cheese. It's still $4. Well, maybe they're giving you three quarters of a pound now, right? So be be cognizant of that. Look at that um, as, you're, as you're shopping and just overall, you know, tighten up the spending a bit so you're not overextending yourself. Um, I already mentioned this, but it is worthwhile to, you know, reevaluate your investment positions or at least have a conversation with your advisor, right? Understand, okay, you know, what, what do they believe is, is the, you know, what's the level of inflation risk? Do they think it's transitory? Do they think it's sustainable? Um, and if so, like, how are you adjusting your portfolio accordingly to, to kind of protect yourself somewhat against it? Um, I'd say, Another key one kind of ties into the first point, but it's a little bit more specific, right? It's avoiding making purchases in really hot sectors. So it called out the the auto industry, right? Now is really not the time to buy a car. And ideally, based on how long this chip shortage could last, probably aren't going to want to for another year or two, right? Until we get a little bit more supply back on the market, it's just all car prices are going to be massively inflated. And so if, if you can hold off, that's one thing to do. We kind of see it in the housing space, though. I think that is, there are definitely more variables in play on the housing side of things. So don't correlate kind of inflation, like prices jumping elsewhere and just writing off, oh, housing prices are just temporarily going up. That's a different ballgame in and of itself, right? But specifically, you know, like technology, um, you know, like te- technological hardware, um, automobiles, there are certain industries where it's just because supply is so constrained, it's, you know, prices are skyrocketing. So best to avoid big ticket purchases there. Um, and then next item is if you haven't listened to episode 19, I talked about, you know, the art of negotiating and how to, you know, um, how to, you know, go to your manager, your supervisor and negotiate a raise, whether it's in kind of the hiring process or, in, you know, when you're having, when you're getting reviewed. Um, this is another way really of, you know, how do you, how do you combat inflation? If, if prices for your things, you know, for your everyday things, your everyday life have gone up, say 3% across the board. Well, a nice way of kind of balancing that out is go, you know, increase your income by 5%, right? Cause then you end up, you kind of net out ahead there by a couple percentage points. Um, so that's one thing where, you know, don't cap yourself in terms of income, go out there and, and see if there's a way to increase that, or maybe there's uh, some sort of side hustle you can pick up. And then last thing I'll leave you with, I've touched on this, but 
you know, while inflation is this big, scary boogeyman, um, you know, it's not, we haven't seen kind of a sustainable run of it since the well, the 70s and the early 80s. Um, so, I mean, it's the Federal Reserve, kind of the government's done a good job in general of trying to keep the economy pretty even keel, even despite, you know, the Great Recession and the, the COVID collapse, right? Like, there's, they're they're doing a good job right we're not we're not venezuela you know we're not there's not other countries you know we see other countries where they you know are seeing hundreds of thousands millions of percent of of inflation a year right so imagine that like that carton of eggs you used to buy for two dollars imagine by the end of the year it was like 400 right because the dollar is just runaway inflation i mean that is i i suppose a possibility um yeah we'll we'll see i i highly i don't think we'll see that if that happens in the u.s i think we'll have much larger issues um but really you know there's not don't work yourself up too much you know battling inflation is just something that is kind of part of part of life part of investing and so you know just continue to you know watch your spending budget effectively manage your portfolio you know in tandem with your advisor um and just make smart strategic purchases you know when needed so I think that's that's about all you can do to kind of to fight inflation but of course you know we'll just have to see how things play out but as always you know really appreciate you taking the time if you listen this far wonderful to be back with you and excited to get into a normal routine here of of weekly episodes so like i said at the beginning if you have any topics you'd like me to cover anything maybe any newsworthy events over the last few months that that i may have missed touching on definitely reach out to me. You can email me at grant at capitaladulting.com. Find me on, you know, Instagram at capitaladulting um, or, you know, just kind of leave a review, provide some feedback on the show. That would be much appreciated, but thank you all for joining with me. Until next time, take care.